My fellow investors, welcome back to the New Crown Investor channel. Uh, whether you're new or experienced, everyone is welcome. On this channel, we talk about great businesses and make investing accessible and fun for everyone. I'm your host, Anthony. Welcome back to the show. Now, before we get started, as always, my friends, I have to remind you that nothing I say is financial advice. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm just telling you what I do. But I've made a lot of mistakes on this road to learning how to be a better investor. And as a result, I'd always encourage you to do your own research. Now, today's episode, we're going to start off with some news that may matter to you if you are a Canadian investor, especially if you are uh, focused on dividend stocks. It pertains to a company that you may own in that case, and that company is BCE. It's Bell Canada. It is, of course, one of the three major telecom companies here, along with TELUS and Rogers. Uh, Bell is one of our largest companies in this country, right? So it employs thousands of people, uh, makes billions in annual revenue, and uh, yeah, it's a very well-known brand over here in this country. Now, this week, Bell released their earnings for the full year 2023, but those earnings were somewhat overshadowed by an open letter uh, posted by the CEO on the same day, that was February 8th, called Adapting and Moving Forward. And of course, if you're in Canada, you would know this letter detailed the fact that Bell is firing 9% of its workforce almost 5,000 people. Now, this has rocked the Canadian uh, business community. It's the largest workforce restructuring initiative of Bell in almost 30 years, right? So this is a big deal. A lot of people who got fired are great journalists, right? They're business journalists that I personally have been following, watching their interviews. A lot of them are gone. Um, and really, it's, you know, overnight announcement. So really quite shocking. And just, you know, forgetting my investor hat for a second, as a human, I, I really feel for these people because... It, it sucks to know that you can be excellent at your job, like doing everything right and still lose your job just because of, you know, overall that, you know, the company strategic direction and things like that. So it's, it's very sad and it's never a good day for Canada when so many people get fired uh, at once like that. Now, what did this open letter say otherwise? Um, now, I like to analyze things like that because I work in communication. So we're always kind of looking at what other companies are saying, when, especially when they do these types of things. Um, frankly, Bell did everything. They, they said exactly everything that I would say if, that if I were in their position. They kind of tried to blame it on everyone else. So, you know, it's the government's fault because the government didn't give them enough support to protect them. Uh, it's the CRTC's fault because the CRTC, of course, is the regulatory body for the telecom industry. They've been... Um, kind of pushing more competitive uh, type of initiatives that would help some of these smaller players basically hop onto Bell's network, even though Bell was the one that made all the big investments at the beginning, right? So they're basically saying, you know, it's the CRTC's fault, it's the government's fault for not doing more regulation that protects them, and it's it's kind of everyone's fault, and therefore they, they had no choice but to do that. Um, and to some extent, you know, I, I kind of understand. The truth is the media sector is in big trouble, right? We're talking about traditional media here. If you follow me, you know that I love another telecom company uh, for which I have a much bigger position, actually. It's called Quebecor. Quebecor has had the same problems. They've had to do a huge restructuring of their media division because the truth is traditional media, it's just not cutting it anymore, right? More and more consumers are gravitating towards these big internet online giants. Now, all these telecom companies are asking for help. They're asking to be protected. But I, personally, this is my opinion, I don't think there is much that the government really can do right? This is what we call creative destruction in uh, the system we adopted called capitalism, right? If you think of, uh, you know, the, the horse carriage industry, when cars were invented, I mean, you know, now, obviously, people went to cars because it's much better than having a horse, right? Um, then when Uber came up, the taxi lobby was really upset, but 
Uber is way more, you know, efficient and easier to use than taxis. And th in my opinion, this is the same process happening over and over again, right? The, the traditional media model is getting disrupted and you, you can either try to be ahead of the curve or you can try to resist or you can try to just not like not do anything, but they're getting disrupted and, and there's no way out of it. The government is not going to legislate, uh, you know, its way to make Bell somehow survive. Like that's just, it's not really doable for them. So that's going to be a problem for Bell and Quebecor and any other traditional media business, I think. They're going to have to pivot fast. They're going to have to move to the more profitable parts of their business. And yeah, they'll have to figure something out. Now, as I said, the news of Bell's earnings themselves were pretty much overshadowed by this huge job cut. But how were Bell's earnings, right? Were they good? Let's take a look. Now, firstly, good news here. They achieved their guidance, right? They knew that it wouldn't be necessarily an explosive year, and they did achieve their 2023 targets. So that's good. They maintained their adjusted EBITDA margin. That's also good. In terms of the quality of the networks, they are able to expand their pure fiber footprint. They targeted 650,000 new locations, and they're really kind of leading the way for that, right? So they surpassed their 5G and 5G plus coverage targets. We like to see that. They also secured a lot of spectrum again. Uh, they bought more licenses, so that's also great. Another thing that's really nice with Bell, and we see that uh, again along with their high quality networks, is that as a result, they're able to acquire high value subscribers as well. So when you think of some of the lower cost competitors like Quebecor, my favorite, Quebecor is really pushing the low cost and, and trying to reduce costs for everyone. Bell is taking the approach of providing really high quality network and as a result making people pay a premium, right? So if you take someone like myself, right, I live in a major city in Canada, Toronto, I am a Freedom Mobile customer and Freedom works for me because their coverage is excellent in large cities. However, it's not as good in, you know, rural parts of Canada. Or if we take a look at my good friend, Dividend Dave, shout out to him. If you haven't checked out his podcast, make sure to check it out. Dividend Dave lives in a more rural part of Ontario. And for, for him, uh, Bell, for example, would probably be a better choice because it would give him access to high-speed internet, uh, even though he doesn't live in a very large city, right? So, so that's basically been Bell's strategy. And so far, you know, it has been successful. And we see that also, for example, they've had 5.9% um, higher total consumer wireless revenue. So that's, that's nice, right? It's a Above mid single digit and they've also had positive mobile phone RPU growth it's been small 0.3% but still RPU is your average revenue per user right so even in a year where competition has intensified uh, because of these low-cost providers again Bell was able to stick to their you know high quality high value people strategy and that revenue has still increased per person so they're still able to extract value out of people now, in terms of CapEx and workforce restructuring, uh, I'm putting my fully investor hat and especially shareholder hat back on. Uh, obviously, it's something that I have been saying. That was one of my main criticisms of Bell, uh, you know, for years was that I found that their cost base was too high, right? Uh, they, they were bloated. So I understand the reduction. Uh, in that case, you know, it, it's very sad, but it's probably going to be to work for the company, you know, in terms of transitioning to a lower cost base in the coming years. In terms of CapEx, again, you know, they like they said, oh, it's the CRTC's fault and whatnot. Okay, fair enough. But yes, they are reducing their CapEx as a result. So they said minimum $500 million reduction in 2024 uh, and at least $1 billion decrease in CapEx for 2024, 2025. So that's good. They're slowing down their spending. If they can maintain their revenue, at least, that is going to help them a lot to be 
uh, you know, a, a more balanced company when it comes to their finances. So if you recall what I was saying just a couple minutes earlier, right, about having to adapt with a changing world, that reflects now them trying to do that. So they are de-emphasizing and reducing the spend on what they call the overly regulated and declining businesses. Now that comes with the sale of 45 of their radio stations and a closing 107 of their The Source stores, which are the stores which you can go and buy electronics. This also comes with a range of initiatives, again, that tries to see them embrace this more modern digital world. One thing that I found super cool is that they've launched a partnership with Amazon Prime. So if you didn't know, Bell has a streaming service. It's called Crave TV. I actually think it's excellent. My parents have it. And I watched The Handmaid's Tale on it. I watched The Last of Us, which is an amazing show. So yes, Bell has Crave TV. And now, apparently, people will be able to access Crave via Amazon's uh, streaming channel. So when you look at that, I mean, the first thing that came to mind was, oh, my God, it seems like I guess they probably cannot compete, right? It's very hard to compete with someone that has the pockets of Amazon or Netflix. So if you can't beat them, then join them. So with this licensing, you know, partnership, whatever kind of agreement, you know, at, at least Bell has a way of still surviving. Maybe it's better to do it like that rather than trying to throw money at their service and, and not even winning. If they partner with Amazon, I think that actually might work better for them in the long run. Now, in a previous episode, and I apologize, I don't remember the number, which one it was, but it was one where I talked about, you know, telecoms overall. And I was saying, even though I think Quebecor is probably going to be the winner, uh, you know, in terms of who grows the fastest, I believe that all the major telecoms in Canada would continue to grow. And that would be because of our very, very aggressive immigration targets, right? So even though, you know, someone else's piece of the pie may increase more, I think the pie overall will increase. And that would permit Bell, for example, to continue growing growing their revenues and their profits over time. Now, in line with this thing I just mentioned, I was very pleased to see uh, Bell and Air Canada doing a partnership. And it's, it's actually fantastic because we experienced this in Dubai. So when I went to Dubai very recently, right, the minute we arrived, uh, like literally for every immigrant, they gave us a SIM card and they said, here you go with data and you and it was valid for 48 hours so that it would give you time to kind of arrive and at least have a functioning phone uh, and give you, you know, a day or two to find another SIM deal or whatever if you needed one. So I thought that was amazing. And so I'm very pleased to see that Bell and Air Canada are joining forces to do exactly that for select inbound uh, international flights. So now people traveling with Air Canada will be able to get SIM cards from Bell for a similar type of experience. They're also going to offer Wi-Fi uh, for Aeroplan members, again, also on these Air Canada flights, uh, and all of that sponsored and, and organized by Bell. So this is a step in the right direction to targeting immigrants and newcomers, I think. Uh, that's definitely going to score them some points. So very nice to see initiatives like that. Now, another point, which if you are listening to this episode, that's probably what matters the most to you. It is the dividend. Because let's face it, why would anyone invest in Bell other than for the dividend? I mean, I guess there are other reasons, but to be fair, that is the main thing people look for in Bell. It is this very stable, you know, bond proxy business that pays you a high dividend and you can kind of forget about it and it's not super volatile, right? Now, Bell has announced they are increasing the dividend. It is a lower increase than what we've been used to, at least in the last three years. The increase was just 3.1%, which is tiny. Now, the CEO, Mirko Bibic, has addressed it. He started off by reiterating that they have an unwavering commitment to dividend growth. 
Uh, he emphasized, you know, it's their 16th year of uninterrupted dividend growth. So yes, that's good. His explanation for the 3% dividend I thought was reasonable. He said, listen, it's less than usual because they actually want to work on getting the payout ratio below 100%. I mean, hell yes, I agree with that. And also, you know, when you look at their earnings release too, just the fact that the dividend yield now is so high, like you can buy Bell right now and get what, like an almost 8% dividend yield or something like that. Yeah, 7.9 if I'm looking now at the price of 50.52. So when you think of that, yeah, they don't really need a super high uh, dividend increase. And in my opinion, personally, I'm actually annoyed that they keep increasing the dividend. I think that if you can buy it right now for 7.9% yield, I would rather they don't increase the dividend at all. And they focus 100% only on getting that payout ratio under control uh, and on, you know, allocating that money to CapEx or whatever else they need. I think that would be more reasonable. Now, in a state of that dividend, we really have to be intellectually honest, my friends. Uh, I did some, uh, what we call it, like back of the napkin or back of the envelope math. So it's it's kind of rough, but it's important. They've got approximately 912 million shares, right? And for the year, they did 3.144 billion dollars in free in free cash flow. Now, per share, that is roughly equivalent to three dollars and 44 cents. That was for 2023, but the dividend was $3.87 per share. So the free cash flow did not cover the dividend. Now, they gave the guidance already for 2024, so it's there, it's public. The lower range is $2.8 billion, and the higher range would be $3 billion and, and $50 million. So that's overall... Um, if you consider the new dividend, which is 3% higher than the previous one, that would mean that the dividend would be $3.99, but the free cash flow would be $3.07 at the lower end or $3.34 at the higher end. So two years in a row, they are not going to cover the dividend. That is not good at all. Now, we can give them an excuse here in that 2024 is going to be a very big transition year. They're going to be paying uh, a, like hundreds of millions of dollars related to the employee reductions, right? We've seen this with Facebook, right? When when they announced their big cuts, they had a couple of quarters where they had to, you know, pay all the severance packages and stuff. That's very expensive. So you can look at it at a, as a transition year. I'm giving them a pass for 2024. But in 2025, they really absolutely need to come back to covering that dividend with the free cash flow. Now, later in the earnings call, um, not only just when the CEO was talking, but during the period when analysts asked questions, they were asked about this again, right? Because it does raise some red flags. And, you know, they, they reiterated that they believe they can achieve all the targets. The fact, too, about the free cash flow is that a lot of it just depends on timing of when money comes in and when money comes out, right? Uh, so they have visibility on a lot of those funds, and that's why they're confident they can hit their targets in the longer term. Now, I own a small position in Bell. I will keep it small. You know, I, I've learned over my, you know, sh short five years as an investor, uh, when there are red flags, sometimes they're actually just orange, right? Things aren't always as bad as what you think they are, but things can be bad. And I've learned from my dividend cut with Algonquin Power, the infamous Algonquin Power in 2023, that was hard. That was not cool at all. Uh, and I'm going to need a few years probably uh, until the stock price comes back. So... I don't think Bell will cut the dividend. I think management is higher quality. I think the assets are quality. And, and I do believe in their overall business plan in general, right? Like, I think they, they have a good product offering. So I'm not too worried about that. But I certainly think 
that, you know, the situation is questionable right now. I don't like that they increase the dividend. And uh, yeah, I'm going to keep a close eye, but I will keep my position small. As of now, it's 1% of portfolio. It's actually a bit less than that. And I'm not going to buy any more of it, but I'm also not going to sell. Anyhow, my friends, that's all for today. Just a short and sweet episode of my two cents on Bell. You know, overall, can they recover? Can they come back? Are they a good entry point? You know, I don't know, but I, I do think... They have the ingredients to be successful long term. I do think the stock price that we're seeing now is not going to be there forever. I, I think it's going to come back up at some point. And it's all about being patient and, and you know making sure that they execute. Now, as always, my fellow investors, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share with a friend and make sure to give us a five-star rating on your streaming platform. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Newcomer Investor channel. And I look forward to connecting again with you soon.